tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church, that's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Hello, this is a big day. Our Lady of Guadalupe. I just, this is a big day. It, it is. It's one of those Marian feasts that was world changing, is world changing. So, well, we will get into it, but first we are going to pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit that shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well let's let's go to the well let's go to the readings first and, and um I just look at them and then I want to talk about the coffee table. Well there are there are four possible readings today. Um, and the first one is from Zechariah. And uh, uh, it's just, a, again, it's one of these Old Testament prophecies that has come true. <laughs> I mean, if God makes a promise, you can count on it. Sing and rejoice, O daughter Zion. Uh, see, I'm coming to dwell among you, says the Lord. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day. And they shall be his people. Uh, I often think of of this little place that the Holy Land is tiny. When you go, not if you go, but when you go to the Holy Land, you'll be astonished if you pay attention at how small it is. I, I think I've told you about the Gospel Triangle where Jesus did most of his ministry. Uh, you can make a triangle from uh, Capernaum on the lake, go across the lake to Bethsaida. It's about five miles. Bethsaida over to Chorazin, it's about four, well, three or four miles. Then Chorazin back down the hill to, to Capernaum, it's about two miles. Tiny, a little triangle, maybe five by four by two. That's where Jesus did most of his work. Um, you can walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem if you walk fast in a couple days. Um, tiny, just tiny. It's... Uh, the Sea of Galilee, we always say. I think at its widest spot, it's 13 miles across. You can see the other shore, no problem. Tiny. This little place that was given to Abraham, and then where the patriarchs and 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 the the kings of of Israel and and then the kings of the northern kingdom, Samaria and Judah. The, these kingdoms were the size of a 
good-sized county in, in, in the United States. Tiny. And this idea, many nations shall join themselves to the Lord. Uh, the different prophecies about all the nations will come streaming to this mountain. What mountain? It's really just kind of a, a hill with some really steep sides. It all came to, to be. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord. And I think of this, this feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, Mexico. Uh, um, we think of uh, uh, this as kind of a wilderness and, and uh, um, uh, the indigenous peoples as kind of Stone Age savages. They weren't at all. Uh, um, Mexico City, which at that time I think was called Tenochtitlan, was a city of 250,000 people. It was one of the largest cities in the world. It was, it was like Venice when, 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 with the canals and the boats, and it was just clean and and uh, beautiful. Uh, it was an amazing place. So, well, let me get back to the reading here. The Lord will possess Judah as His portion in the Holy Land, and He will again choose Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been knocked down and conquered and and destroyed, and it just keeps coming back. Um, so I, I, all I guess I want to say about that first reading is if God makes a promise, he will keep it. Now let's go, I, I, I want to kind of go a little quick, and we'll do both, uh, oh, we'll do all four of the readings, because, well, it's the Bible. God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. That's kind of interesting. Uh, the ark of his covenant, what does that mean? Well, it goes, I, I don't know if this works, but I think it does. Let, well, let's look at the whole, the whole, the whole shebang. Uh, God's temple was open. The Ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, earthquake, uh, and a violent hailstorm. So this is a great storm. Well, then we move on to the woman and the dragon. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun. Uh, with the moon under her feet and a, on her head a crown of twelve stars, she was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Now, oh dear. <sighs> this is, some people clearly see in this the Blessed Mother. But then they would say, this idea of labor pains, remember, this is a vision. And I'm telling you all, well, you must be tired of hearing this, but one of the best examples of the way to understand a vision is the following story or a prophetic utterance the following story there was a jewish community in yemen which is in the southwest corner of the arabian peninsula the saudi arabian peninsula and there was a, a trading colony of jews in yemen from time immemorial from for the first temple period and Israelite traders went all up and down the east coast of Africa. This community existed um, until 1948, when the state of Israel uh, was recognized by the United Nations, and the Yemenis surrounded the the Israelite community, uh, which had been the Jewish community, which had been hustled to the airport because the British were coming to airlift them. Now, 
uh, airlift them out to the, the Holy Land. Now, the there among the Yemeni Jews, there had been a, a prophecy, a, 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 an old story that birds with great silver wings, great silver birds would come and fly the the... The, the 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 Jewish community back to the Holy Land one day, and well, they're all at the airport uh, waiting for the British planes to airlift them out of harm's way, as their enemies surrounded them, ready to kill them. And as these planes land, this little boy tugs at his mother's um, uh, um, skirt and says, "Mommy, look! It's the it's the birds with." the great silver birds uh, with the silver wings coming to take us to the Holy Land. Now, you might stand and say, don't be ridiculous, child. Those are not birds. Those are planes. Well, this kid never seen a plane. Um, what happens in a prophetic word or prophetic vision is we're seeing something through the veil. We're seeing something uh, uh, that we can't describe in terrestrial terms. And so we see a woman clothed with the sun. Well, that's impossible. She'd be burned to a crisp. I mean, you know, there are people who just don't have poetic souls. I'm not very poetic, but I can even see this. What do you mean the moon under her feet? She must have been huge. A crown of 12 stars. Well, these are all, these are all things with meaning. Uh, she was a child and wailed. Well, the Blessed Mother didn't have labor pains. I don't know if she had labor pains. Well, of course she didn't because she was immaculately conceived. And the, the result of the sin of Adam and Eve is that the, the, the Eve would suffer in childbirth. Well, it says her pains would be increased. But I maintain that it is quite possible that the Blessed Mother suffered great pain voluntarily. When I suffer pain, it's because I have to. I don't get a choice. The Blessed Mother, I believe, could easily have chosen to suffer great pain. Uh, a sword pierced her heart. That pain she certainly suffered in union with her beloved son. Jesus also was, in that sense, immaculately conceived. But he suffered pain. The nails caused pain. The, the, the lashes were pain. The crown of thorns was pain. He voluntarily suffered pain. So... I, I don't know. So I'm just I'm just saying that because, again, day after the resurrection, God willing, I get there and you get there, we'll go ask. All right, another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. On its head were seven diadems. Uh, its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them down to the earth. Uh, her child was caught up to God in his throat. This is all terribly... Uh, complex. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God. Uh, and there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. You hear people, part of that, well, 1260 days, that means one day is like a year, the Bible says. Who knows? Um, war broke out in heaven. And this this, this vision, uh, The I think the important thing about it is, is to understand that the um, uh, we are living in a spiritual struggle, and you know the the Saint Paul says beautifully that that it's not against flesh and blood that we war, but against powers and principalities. Um, and we read at the end of the book that that we win. You know that that God is going to protect this woman. Now these visions, 
In the early church, there, there was lot, lots and lots of visions. You got things like the Shepherd of Hermas, the Epistle of Barnabas. And there's always a woman in the vision. And this woman in the early church was in the visions was identified with the church because the church in God's eyes is a bride, a wife, a mother, a family. And uh, the church is always portrayed in, in iconography as a woman. Well, is it, a, is it the church or is it the Blessed Mother? And the answer, of course, is yes. Because the Blessed Mother, in a certain sense, is the, is the icon of the church. She's the incarnation of the church. And you've heard me say it before, that um, uh, there was a time in history when there was only one person in the church, and that was our Blessed Mother. She was the entire membership of the church at one point. First to accept Christ, faithful to him at the foot of the cross, present at Pentecost. She was the first and is the first member of the church. So uh, I think that that's an important thing to understand, that when you read this, this woman is the Blessed Mother, at the same time the church. But it's either or, isn't it? Not when you're seeing a vision. It isn't a matter of either or. It's certainly a matter of both and and all. So just when you read that, understand that it's uh, it should bring us back to what St. Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians. It's not against flesh and blood we war, but against powers and principalities. It is so easy to reduce the the um, uh, the life of the church to sort of a, a self-help society or a, a, a society of a, a political society of do-gooders. And we're not. We are the body of Christ, the family of God. Um, we are... Uh, the army of God on earth fighting not simply flesh and blood. Um, my friend, Father Rankin, uh, always says it isn't. Uh, the struggle in the church isn't so much between liberal and conservative as it is between those who believe in supernatural reality and those who don't. It is so easy, especially when you are professionally religious as the clergy, which I am, to reduce the work to nuts and bolts and bottom lines and fundraising plans and membership drives and that's not what the church is those things are necessary but that's not what the church is the church is is an army powerful in battle with with banners flying that's how god sees it and that's how the devil sees it the devil wants to convince us it's just an organization it's it's infinitely more than an, an organization it's the body of christ so all right well let's go to the readings well this reading from luke the first chapter um, is the the uh, beautiful story of the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee uh, called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named David. And um, the angel greets her saying, Hail, full of grace. And that the kekari domeni is the word he uses, which is, well, I don't know who's speaking Greek, but the Greek text is what the Holy Spirit used. And that means one who has been graced. And what we believe is that our Blessed Mother received what was called prevenient grace. In other words, pre, which means before, and venient, which means coming. Grace that came beforehand. In other words, it's as if the Father borrowed from the grace of Calvary because he's not limited by time and, and graced the Blessed Mother in her immaculate conception. The Blessed Mother needed a Savior, her Savior Christ, that salvation was offered to her from the moment of her conception by a special gift. That's what we believed, and I think it makes great sense. <clears throat> well, she was greatly troubled at what he said, at what was said. Uh, 
There's a, a wonderful legend. It's just a legend. It isn't Bible, but there's something in Nazareth called the Well of the Virgin. And uh, 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 the story is that our Blessed Mother was getting water as her uh, was her job. She went down with the, the water jug and got water for the morning and uh, from the well and there was a man who greeted her and being a good jewish girl this you didn't you didn't speak to strange men in the street while well, she went back to her house <laughs> and there he was uh, she must have been frightened and so he says do not be afraid mary you found favor with god and uh, um she says he, he says that that you're going to be the mother of the messiah and the blessed mother says how can this be uh, I, I don't know a man. I don't know a man. And it seems there's a strong tradition, which goes back uh, certainly at least to what's called the the, 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 the first gospel of St. James, the Protoevangelion of St. James, which is, it's not, we don't consider inspired, but it, it is a very early text, um, maybe from around the year 100, 110, somewhere around there. Um, the, that or maybe 150 that would be the late date um our blessed mother had taken what was called a nazarite vow which happened this was done we read about it in the book of leviticus uh she was going to live a chaste life and and she said how can this be uh, and he explains that that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. This is going to be a miracle. So, very beautiful. All right. Nothing will be impossible for God. And then she says, I'm the slave of the Lord. Um, be it done to me according to your word. She knew what she was getting in for, being a good Jewish girl. That, that This complete trust uh, um, in, in God's perfect plan, because, of course, the penalty for being pregnant and unmarried was being stoned to death and uh, the blessed mother said fine if this is what god wants well let's go look at the, the 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 next possible gospel that we have today um which is just so beautiful luke the first chapter the 39th verse and following mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of judah she'd been told by the angel that that uh, elizabeth as we saw in the other reading your kinswoman uh, has also, and that word in Greek is syngenis. It doesn't mean cousin. It means kinswoman. You're, you, it, it implies cousin, I suppose. But your kin, your member of your family, uh, is conceived in her old age. Now, Elizabeth was a woman who was acquainted with shame because it was very bad to be pregnant and unmarried. It was also bad to be married and unpregnant. That, that uh, they believed that that was a curse from God. Of course, this is not true. Uh, but that was a superstition they had. But Elizabeth had had lived with what for her in that time had been a great embarrassment from a priestly family, married to a priest. And um, uh, and clearly, since uh, Elizabeth was from a priestly family and Mary was her kinswoman, Mary was from both the family of David uh, and from uh, the family of, of Aaron the priest. Uh, from the priestly from the priestly clan, so <clears throat> our blessed mother uh, uh, was told by the angel, "Your kinswoman is pregnant." I, I wonder if if he didn't suggest to Mary that maybe you need to go stay with Elizabeth until this gets sorted out. I don't know. I, I don't mean to be flippant or or irreverent, but 
these were people who they like us weren't looking at the spiritual reality uh, they didn't know it and it's fascinating the blessed mother in the text of scripture never says let me explain she never defends herself she lets god do the defending well she traveled to the house of zechariah and greeted elizabeth and this is to me this is just very beautiful um uh, when elizabeth heard mary's greeting the infant leaped in her womb that word it's a very very strong word it's it's uh, uh uh the word is eskirtesen which means to jump up and down i mean it's not just uh, a little thump it's to jump up and down and and uh, uh means to leap to skip and it implies for joy uh so it's as i said very strong word well let's go back to the text hold on i can't seem to make that little thing move that's all right i'll I'll ignore it. All right. The um, uh, the next word is is just wonderful because uh, um, she says, most blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This is where we get the prayer, the Hail Mary. And I'm always telling you that the Hail Mary is a very powerful prayer. Uh, the devil hates it because it reminds him of the sacredness of the human body, especially the, the woman's body. And uh, you know that that I, I have I have learned this from exorcists and and as I say I never was an exorcist so I've assisted at exorcisms. It is clear that the devil hates the Hail Mary. Why? It is the text of Scripture reminding the devil that that of the sacredness of of the flesh. The devil doesn't like the flesh. He's a pure spirit. These people say, well, "I'm I'm spiritual. I'm not religious." Well, good luck with that. The devil's very spiritual. He's a pure spirit. God loves human flesh because he created it and he incarnated his son in the womb of the virgin. Human flesh is sacred. That's why we need to treat it with such respect and care and with such sanctity. It isn't just, well, well, it doesn't matter. No, no. Human flesh is very important. So the, the, uh, and, and I, I just have seen that, that, that these power, this powerful text of scripture that we repeat when we say the rosary is a very powerful thing in spiritual warfare, getting back to the book of Revelations, that that this whole thing about the woman um, taken away to the desert is about spiritual warfare. And this text is about spiritual warfare. We're not just an organization. We are an army, a spiritual army. So this text of the Hail Mary is just, if you don't understand the Hail Mary, and you don't understand the Rosary, you don't understand the nature of spiritual warfare. I really believe that. It is such a powerful thing in spiritual warfare. Learn to say the Rosary. Learn to love the Rosary. Learn to use the Rosary. So, uh, moving along. Uh, um, oh, there's so much more. Oh, I'm going to go a little longer. here. I, I, should, I should break, but I'm all excited about this. I haven't even talked about the Feast uh, of Our Lady Guadalupe. Um, we'll probably do that after the break. One, well, enough is enough. We'll go to the break, and we'll come back, and I, I, I want to talk about uh, the, the event of Guadalupe. Oh, 888-914-9149. We will have room for phone calls. In fact, is I, maybe I'll, I'll put off letters till tomorrow, and uh, we'll do uh, uh, phone calls today. 888-914-9149.
We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester today. An Illinois Life Insurance Society not available in all states. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listening once again I was just telling the voice in my head that, yeah, when you're a kid, Advent is the longest season of the year. When you're an adult, it goes like a hiccup. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Beige, and we're panicking. All right, just kidding. Don't panic. Pray. All right, what are we doing now? We're going to go. Oh, I wanted to talk about one more thing about, oh, um, yeah, let me talk about it. Uh, in the gospel, we read at the end of the second gospel, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I don't know why they call it proclaims the greatness of the Lord. The old translation was magnifies the Lord. And that's exactly what the word is in Greek. Mega lune. Say that again. What was that? My soul doth magnify. There's no dothing in Greek, but we only doth in Old English. But my soul magnifies the Lord. And the word in Greek is megalune. Mega is big and lune is, makes it a verb. It, well, to use the term from the popular cartoon show, it embiggens. My soul embiggens the Lord. And the word for soul here is psyche, psyche. We get the word psyche from it. And there's the problem about the body, soul, and spirit. The soul, the psyche, it's often translated mind. It can even be translated life. Uh, but it is the emotional and mental faculties that are available to us, that, are, that, that, we, un, that we experience. Um, that's as close as I can come to a definition of it. The spirit is that part of the, the person which, which lives. It, it, that word, as you know, Pneuma, it really means breath or wind, as in get the wind knocked out of you. Uh, it is the part of you that, that does the living. It's your, your, your livingness. And we are spirits. We are living, breathing spirits who are incarnated. We have a body. We manifest our existence in a body and in a soul. So that's as close as I can come to this body, soul, spirit thing. I used to think, well, you got the spirit, and then beneath you got the soul, beneath that you got the body. I don't think that's it. I think that we are living spirits, at least in the biblical sense, that 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 uses those three terms. What's the difference between the spirit and the soul? Well, we are the soul is immortal, the body is mortal. Uh, and the spirit, because the soul is immortal, is also immortal. But they're not three separate things. We're spirits manifesting ourselves in flesh and in soul. That's, I may be wrong about this, but that's, that's as close as I can come. Well, that said, in your soul, your mind, your consciousness, you can magnify the problem or you can magnify the Lord. And the rest of this wonderful prayer, the, the Magnificat of Our Lady, she goes on to talk about the wonderful things God has done for her ancestors. And she's going to trust him in this difficult situation in which she finds herself. And because she magnifies the Lord, her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. The deepest part of her can can rejoice. Uh, uh, 
because her her body or rather her soul is focused on the Lord. And you can do that. In your mind, you've got a magnifying glass. You can magnify the problem or you can magnify the Lord. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about this, the particular feast, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I, I wonder if you know that the original shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe is in Spain. There is a, a, a little monastery in the mountains of Estremadura, which is a uh, a Spanish word that means really rough. <laughs> it's it's the, the kind of the outback of Spain. And in Extremadura, there's a monastery which has a, a, an image of the Blessed Mother that was hidden apparently uh, when the Arabs invaded Spain and was miraculously found. And then when 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 the the catholic spaniards retook spain from from the arabs gradually this this image was found and it was placed in this monastery it's called la virgen morena the dark virgin the, the uh, because of the years uh, of an antiquity of the statue the this wooden image is very dark um so she's called the dark virgin la virgen morena and that is in the monastery of the town of guadalupe and there was a fellow named Sumaraga who was made the first bishop of Mexico City, and he had a great devotion to this La Virgen Morena, the Dark Virgin of Guadalupe in Spain. And he went to Mexico, uh, Tenochtitlan, this great city of 250,000 people, which had been devastated uh, by disease and by conquest, and he was the bishop of the rubble of Tenochtitlan, Mexico City. And the Aztecs were up in the north regrouping, and he needed a sign from God. Send me some Castilian roses, a flower that would remind him of home if you want us to stay here. And, well, you know the story of Juan Diego, uh, the little indigenous Catholic. Very few people were Catholic at that point because uh, they were not being converted by the, the violence of the, of the soldiers. Uh, but um, this Juan Diego... Uh, was asked to bring roses in his in his cloak, his, this cloak made of vegetable fibers, this flimsy cloak, bring these roses to Bishop Sumaraga. And when Bishop Sumaraga saw the roses, he'd gotten the sign he'd asked for. But also, there was this beautiful image of a woman in prayer imprinted on this tilma, according to the story. So, the sign was double. People don't talk about the roses, but the roses were the sign that Bishop Sumaraga was looking for. But the tilma, this cloak imprinted with the, the picture of Our Lady, was a sign to the indigenous people. Uh, nobody was becoming Catholic. Uh, but when they saw this, this sign, this, this image of the Virgin, they realized what it meant. She was a woman standing before the the sun and standing on the moon, both objects of worship in the Aztec pantheon. But she was a woman in prayer. She wasn't a goddess. But the most important part is she was pregnant. Do you realize that 90% of indigenous peoples in the Americas died with the coming of the Europeans, not from warfare so much as disease? They had no resistance to European diseases. Now, why would God allow a thing like that to happen? This is the part of the story that scares me. Because uh, um, uh, some years before the coming of the Europeans, the, the um, 
Aztecs had been influenced by a madman, worse than a madman. I think he was clearly demonic. He was a, a, a priest of the of the Aztec religion, and he taught that that the gods needed a lot more human sacrifice. Human sacrifice had always been part of the indigenous world. However, he upped the ante hugely. It's, it's thought uh, that 60,000 people a year died on the altars of Central America and Mexico, and half of them were children. And they were said, the, the rain god, Tlaloc, only accepted children, and they had to be crying when, they're, when they were killed. Uh, it was bloodthirsty. Well, okay, indigenous people said, it's not nice you're talking about, no, we're far worse. To our gods of prosperity and beauty and convenience, we sacrifice children by the millions. And I am very frightened. People say, well, you know, abortion, you're just a one issue man. Yes, I am. I think it is the most important issue um, in our times because a society can only be... Uh, a society is, is can be understood by how it treats the weakest among us. And children are the weakest. And abortion, well, maybe a medical necessity 50, 60 years ago. Now it is a, it is a, it's my right. I can kill my children. It's my right. No, it's not your right. That we believe it is our right to kill another human being. Uh, um, uh, for the flimsiest of reasons. And the wrath of God comes to a point where he, an evil is so egregious, so horrible, that he must stop it. And uh, I just look at our society, and, and if we, we don't know any history, uh, we're not the first people to sacrifice children. And the Incas did the same. They're finding more and more grave, mass graves of sacrificed children. That that those societies were wiped out. Well, it was just disease, and it was just the Spanish conquistadores. Yes, yes. Nothing happens without the permission of God. And, well, how horrible, how horrible of God to allow that to happen. No, God was stopping something infinitely more horrible in his eyes. And I worry so for our society. Uh, those people who zealously fight abortion, they, I think history will look on them as the heroes of our times. Um, it's just uh, an incredible tragedy that has endangered our society. Pray God that he doesn't abandon us uh, to our vices. Well, with that pleasant thought, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with a word of the day and uh, phone calls. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Flexible Premium Life Insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. Out of all the rangers, you know you're the mastermind. Oh, Christmassy, how Christmassy. Okay, moving along, let's go to our word of the day. After that extremely unpleasant uh, uh, and pessimistic uh, um, uh, sharing, I want to share something fun. Uh, 
we see in the gospel today, the moment your greeting sounded in my ear, the child leapt in my womb, and then the word is en agaliasi. That's a fascinating word. It it means it means to overdo it with joy. It really does. The word agan means excessive. And the Greeks had this saying, made then agan, nothing to excess. Well, this is excessive. Excessive jumping up and down. That's literally what it means. They translate it as exaltation. That sounds rather grand. Um, it, it, it The child leapt in my womb in an excess of 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 excitement. That's what it means. And Jesus uses the word again in Luke 6, 23. Uh, uh, he says, um, uh, rejoice on that day and blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject you as evil for the son of man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy. That's the verb form of it. Jump up and down excessively. I don't know how else to translate. It means go go crazy with joy. And, and you know, often when we read the scriptures, it's kind of dry. And I remember hearing uh, that John Wesley, the great the great founder of Methodism, said he could not conceive of the child Jesus laughing or playing. Are you kidding? This Jesus is saying, jump up and down for joy and really overdo it. Uh, it sounds like a good prayer meeting. Um, so in the midst of, of this very serious situation, which our Blessed Mother found herself she was able to rejoice in the child, St. John the Baptist, in the womb of, of, of uh, St. Elizabeth. He's jumping up and down for joy. And uh, we are. it is recommended that even in the difficulties we face, which I detailed in my last segment, we should still be jumping up and down for joy because God really is in control of the world. Read that first reading from Revelation. All right, let us go to phones. Hello, Newman. <laughs> Newman, this is John from L.A. Oh, by the way, the phone line is open, 888-914-9149. What can I do for you, John? Hi, Father Simon. I had a question about Mary, uh, as the Ark of the New Covenant. Yes. And, uh, some terminology. Um, I guess in the Old Testament, there was a word, epistesiae, that was used uh, in the overshadowing or consecration mm-hmm. of the Ark of the Covenant. And I know that same word, episkesia, was used in the, the, I guess, consecration of Mary or overshadowing of Mary in the Annunciation. And I'm wondering, is that word used anywhere else in the Bible? Well, we'll find out. Uh, The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, um, um, But, of course, it would be in in the... um, it would be in the uh, come on brain. It would be in the in Hebrew in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is written in Greek. So let me pull this up. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Let's see what that verb is. All right, we are. Um, all right, the verb here is uh, epilusitai. It will come upon you. And then the power of the Most High will episkiasi, will overshadow you. So let us look and see if we can find that in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it would be, in the Old Testament, it would, it would be, oh gosh, something like Shekinah, which means the the uh, the dwelling. Um, episkiasi means to overshadow. That's literally what it means. Um to cast a shade on you. Now, again, as I said, the Old Testament is in Hebrew. 
So that might take a little, um, uh, the cloud of glory. Um, now, let's see here. Okay, I'm pressing that. And uh, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, Exodus 40, 34. And let's see what the Hebrew word is. Um, uh, um, the cloud of glory, uh, that's uh, Nisach. And I don't know where else that appears. Um, let's see. Um, it ju that just means to cover. So, yeah, it's the same word. It, 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 essentially, it's the same idea. Uh, it, it means to cover, uh, uh, to, to, to hide. Uh, so, yeah, it's the same word. It, it, I don't know if this is answering your question at all. We see it in a lot of oh, yeah. places. Uh, but uh, a garment covers things. But, yeah, I think that's a good insight, that the Ark of the Covenant uh, was overshadowed by the cloud of glory, and the Blessed Mother was uh, shadowed uh, by the power of, of the Most High. So, yeah, it, it's certainly a clear uh, correlating, I would think, of of the Ark of the Covenant and the Blessed Mother. So that's a good insight. There thank, you go. Thank you so much, Father. All right. Well, okay. God bless. I, I think I think that's a, a good insight on your part. Thanks. All right. Now let us go to whom we have now. Let us go to Charlie. Are you with us, Charlie from Philadelphia? Hello, Charlie. Hello. What's going on now? I have Hello. no idea. Hello, Charlie. What can I do for you? <laughs> you're talking about child sacrifice in the New World. Uh, I forget what book it is in the Old Testament, but I remember distinctly reading in Deuteronomy or Numbers or Joshua sure. or one of those books. Mm -hmm. that, that, that God says, I'm giving you this land because the people that are inhabiting it are sacrificing their children yes, to Molech. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Mammon yeah. and whatever names he said back then, I forget. But it was yeah, you Baal. had the, the Jesuits yeah. and the Canaanites and the uh, the Phoenicians. Everybody was whipping their kids up. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it just you know, and then the Israelites took up the practice, and they were yeah. cast out of the land again. He said, uh, "Not because you're great that I'm doing this. It's because this land. I need to clean house in this land that's sacred to me. The Holy Land yeah. is the land bridge between Africa, Asia, and Europe." It really yeah. is in the center of the old world, and yeah. it was a sacred place to God, and uh, he wanted it clean. He wanted it holy, yeah. and he sent the Israelites in, and he said, as long as you are holy, you'll stay here. But they quickly well, I, fell into the sins of the Canaanites. I also read that the reason uh, Hannibal failed conquering Rome is the Roman citizens went out with pitchforks and stuff when they found out they were sacrificing children. It's ordered a religion. They like, well, I, they, I, I don't they know about nuts. I don't know about pitchforks, but yeah, that 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 was one of the uh, that was one of the um, complaints of the Romans that the Romans did not practice child sacrifice, uh, and um, that was abominable to to them. They were not nice to kids, but they at least didn't sacrifice them to their gods. They didn't. They really didn't practice human sacrifice. Certainly not like the Phoenicians did. Hannibal was a Phoenician, and the Phoenicians colonized North Africa and southern Spain. So good insights, Charlie. Thanks for calling in. God bless. Let's go to Veronica. Are you with us, Veronica from from Virginia Beach, Virginia? What can I do for you, Veronica? Hi, Father. I was wondering if you could help me. Um... And some of my family were kind of um, mulling over how to um, 
maneuver um, frequenting or not frequenting businesses that um, support things that are sinful against the church. Can you comment on that for me? Sure. It says actually a comment in the scriptures. Uh, hold on. That, that St. Paul says, I believe in his second letter to the Corinthians that you would have to leave the world in, in, to, um, if, if you did that. Let's see here. Okay, I'm pulling it up. Uh, oh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? It's in First Corinthians. Uh, yeah, First Corinthians 5.10. Uh, Paul says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I was not including the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But I'm now writing you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, or a verbal abuser, or drunkard, or a swindler, with such a man do not even eat. If you've got someone in the parish who's, for instance, running an abortion clinic, you, that, can't, that can't be. Uh, uh, someone mm-hmm. who's claiming to be a brother in the Lord, who, who, who is sponsoring or encouraging something immoral, you don't even eat with them. But people outside the world, in the world who are not Christians, um, St. Paul says that, that isn't the point, that you can do business with them. First Corinthians 5.10, so you can bring that to the family discussion. Does that help a little? That helps a lot. Thank you so much, Father. There you God go. Bless. All right. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. All right. Let us go now to Jeff from Duluth, Minnesota. Dul- Jeff, what can I do for you? Yes. Hi, Father. Happy holidays. <laughs> Merry um, Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Merry Christmas. I'm going to try to communicate my question without... Uh, you know, being a victim of my own emotion, because okay. my question has to do with spiritual um, presence, the, the grace that we experience in our life, mm-hmm. um, the presence of God. I'm I'm a I'm 62 years old, and I still get emotional when I see uh, the risen Lord or when I experience a spiritual reality. I I cry, and I it's just yeah. so holy to me. That's okay. I mean, that's well, actually, the I mystics called do... it the gift of tears. <laughs> it's the gift of tears. That's what the, the mystics called it. So how, how, do you, how do you not do it? You say, Lord, if this is what you want, uh, whatever. You know, you don't want to get emotional because, well, you're a guy and you're not supposed to get all emotional about this stuff. But I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you, Jeff. Uh, if, if the Lord has put that, that spirit of, 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 joy expressed in tears in in your in your heart well that might be an important sign for other people and 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 you make an offering of yourself to the lord if this is what you want okay i i don't know if that's what you're looking for uh how to um as you draw closer to the lord um you know big part of it is service to other people service to the poor and you know i i don't know that you'll get emotional about serving the poor but uh it turns out to be hard work but i mean if the lord has given you that sensitivity in your heart you just say lord if this is what you want i accept it does that help a little yes yes it does i'm concerned because i i try biting my tongue or pinching myself but uh, i look around and you know it's just it's all welling up with inside me so well let it go why not is there it's 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 not illegal 
said, oh, he gets all emotional when he preaches. There was a bishop whenever he preached to us. Bishop, I think his name was Bishop Grady. Whenever he preached at the seminary, he would end up sobbing in the sermon. It was pretty predictable, but we knew he meant it. So there you go. Yeah, you just say, Lord, if this is what you want, I'm your servant. That's what I would do. God bless you, and, well, enjoy. <laughs> All right, let's go to Michael. Are you with us, Michael, from Panorama City, California? Yeah. Good. What can I do for yes, you? Sir, yes, sir. I always love your program, so I'll be quick. I know it's short. But, okay, many Christians talk about the immortal soul, but I don't see it in the Bible. In fact, in the Bible, in First Timothy, I'm having my Bible right now, one six sixteen. it says God alone is immortal, and then in... Corinthian, First Corinthians fifteen fifty three. It basically said we are immortal, but at the resurrection we would become. In God will give us immortality. That's to me the Bible talk about that we are mortal and we will be given immortality at the resurrection. And God well, also alone is- we read in we read in uh, the story where Jesus is confronting the Sadducees. For to God all things are alive. By the grace of God we're immortal, not by our own nature. So Jesus says that uh, to God all things are alive. Uh, we don't, we don't die. We're immortal only by the gift of God. Well, speaking of immortal by the gift of God, Drew is coming up, and um, he will be praying with you, which is to enter into eternity in prayer.